Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. What I want to do tonight is I... I want to share, I guess you would say, a testimony, a personal story. But I'm not sharing it because I need to tell my personal story. I'm sharing it because I want it to be able to minister to you. And to anybody in the sound of my voice, whether you're watching on YouTube, tape delay, uh, it's, it's transmitted by, by internet, by carrier pigeon, however it goes. For whoever receives this, this ministry is for you. I want to talk about what the Lord has shown me throughout much of my life, but especially in the past year. And it's taken this long um, to understand it enough. I don't necessarily understand it all, but I understand enough for me to be able to to talk about it and be composed enough to talk about it. So I want to talk about this personal story. What triggered this you all remember three or four weeks ago when Jim and Carrie Molson were here? Okay, and, and they were here Sunday morning, Sunday night. And in the morning, uh, they gave their testimony, which they called Carrie's story. And, and you remember that story, and you've probably read their, her book and so forth, right? Um, outstanding story. Just a, I mean, if you didn't get blessed all over more than any place else, there's something wrong with you on hearing that testimony, right? Wonderful story. Um, and f- maybe you can relate to this. I don't know. But sometimes for me, uh, you know, I'm blessed by those, those testimonies. And I'm, I'm blessed by hearing the faith message and any faith testimony. But it's tinged just a little bit by circumstances in my life. And I always have to frame things. I always have to kind of get off that idea for a moment. Um, all of you, I think, know me as having been, uh, Marianne having been my wife. And um, you know that she moved to heaven, and that was almost 11 months ago now. That's hard to believe right there, isn't it? Um, so I want to talk tonight about some of the things that led up to and things that were subsequent to her moving to heaven. And I'm not looking for a raise of hands or a show of hands or anything but I'm just asking the rhetorical question, who here has experienced a spouse or a close loved one going to heaven? Most of us have, uh, many of us a spouse, as I have, um, and if we haven't, we will. So what I want to say here, you know, hopefully you'll be able to wire in, and if not, at least maybe you can help someone else who has experienced that. Um, When I, um, soon after Marianne went to heaven, I was looking for a source of some resources to just, you know, comforting, some, uh, some, something that will give me some scriptures to feed off of and so forth. And so I went to Mardell's and I, I looked, and I looked thoroughly in Mardell's for some kind of resource that 
that would minister to widowers in particular. I found resources for widows. I found resources for kids who've lost, children who've lost their parents, even adult children. I've found resources for parents who've lost their children, Harry and Cheryl Salem, okay? But there's almost nothing there that ministers to widowers. And you know, I was kind of disappointed uh, uh, about that. And then I realized, well, if there's nothing there, maybe something needs to be there. So you know, God is kind of impressing me that maybe I need to publish something that could minister especially to widowers. What I really want to do is minister to anybody who's experienced that kind of a loss of a close loved one. And, and by close, I mean, you know, you lived in the house with them for a while. Okay, you know, second cousin, 30, 30, 30 removed, probably is not who I'm talking about here, but somebody that you lived with, spent part of your life with. Uh, it's those people that I really would like to minister to, but especially to widowers. So I'm going to share. That the Lord has put that book on my heart. I, ha I, I think it's going to be a book that, uh, if I can publish it. I know I will publish it verbally, <laughs> uh, parts of it, and that's what I want to do tonight is share parts of some of those thoughts that the Lord has already put in my heart. So I'm titling this, instead of the Carrie's story, I'm titling it the Swagger's story, and the subtitle is The Other Side of Faith. The Other Side of Faith. Or as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, if you remember him. If you don't, well, then you're chronologically challenged. I'm not going to recount this in much detail because I just don't have time because I want to get to the part that God has especially impressed me to. But just to kind of uh, uh, lay the groundwork, and I think most of you know this already, uh, almost exactly two years ago, right now, Mary Ann began to develop a condition where uh, she was having some difficulty breathing. Um, this, I think, was the result of falling off, uh, being thrown off a horse the month before, in October of 2019. Her breathing condition deteriorated from then on until she went to heaven. Okay? And it by, so by early November, it was becoming evident. By Christmas time, I remember uh, she was getting around fine and everything, but she would just get out of breath, and so much so that she could not prepare the Christmas meal. So I did it under her direction. Not, didn't do a bad job, by the way. I, I'm kind of proud of myself. You know, we didn't have a table full of 15 different dishes, okay? But, you know, we did have a turkey that was cooked right, hallelujah, and all that. Okay, so she was showing signs. And, and Billy, I, you can you remember, I don't know if anybody else, uh, we had a, our last life group meeting. Uh, Marianne and I uh, attended that. And remember, they took pictures and everything of us behind the, the tree and everything. And um, she was already feeling bad at that time. Uh, subsequently, she began to lose weight, and she continued to lose a lot of weight. Not sure what her final weight was, but it was probably around 100 pounds. Uh, and had a number of other issues along the way. I don't want to dwell on that. That's not the point, other than that uh, she hurt a lot, and, and it was tough for her. So... One thing that Jim Molson said in their testimony that really stuck with me, they said, 
he said words to the effect that there are a hundred scriptures on healing, and I think actually there's more. I think he was just saying there's a bunch of scriptures. There's a hundred scriptures on healing. But he, he said usually there's one or two or just a handful of scriptures that really speak to you that you grab hold of. So as this condition began to develop in Marianne, we of course grabbed hold of, and I know some of you grabbed it with us, of 1 Peter 2.24, uh, very familiar. I'm going to go. Th- I'm going to mention some scriptures here, but we're not going to necessarily take time to read them all. Most of them are familiar. But First Peter two twenty four. By his stripes you were healed. And so right away we began to stand on that scripture. And a number of others that supported it. As time went on, um, and the conditions got worse, we're still believing for Mary Ann's complete healing. You know, we, we believed for a long time that it was just the result of falling off that horse and she probably broke her ribs. And uh, so we were believing that she was going to recover and things would start to get better. And every once in a while they did, there was improvement. You saw that type of thing. But uh, eventually when things started to, to get more serious, we found a scripture in Psalm 118.17. Psalm 118, 17 which says, I will live and not die and proclaim or declare the works of the Lord. That is the scripture that Jim was talking about that we stood on and we stood firmly on. I will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. I want you to know that and we, she was aware of all the prayers that were going up for her from all of you. Uh, some of you were connecting and communicating with her directly and she with you uh, and through the church and so forth. And, and she was very much aware and, very, and we were both very thankful for everyone's prayers. Uh, I want you to know that you, you, the prayers, yours and ours, were all answered. They were all answered. Uh, they lifted her up and strengthened her all throughout this time, and particularly when she went in the hospital. As you probably recall, she went into the hospital the day before Thanksgiving last year, so almost a year ago now. And then she continued to, to sense and be strengthened by your prayers when she was in there. And I want you to know that the prayers that we were all praying, essentially, I will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord, they worked just as we thought they would, and I believed all the way up to the day she moved to heaven that she was going to get up and walk out of that hospital room uh, on her own and go home and make dinner. I was planning on that. You know, my, my mouth was watering even. But I'm being serious. That's what I was believing, and we were all believing the same kind of thing. All of those prayers worked that way up until the day she moved to heaven. 2 Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And Marianne certainly did that, especially in that time she was in the hospital, but all the time leading up to it as well. And your prayers helped her do that. So she lived and she proclaimed the works of the Lord to the extent that, now remember in 
November, when she's in the hospital in November of last year, we're at the height of COVID. Nobody goes and visits anybody. I could not go see her. Nobody could. Okay? So she's in this hospital room, and uh, thank God she had her cell phone and was able to communicate some. I know she communicated with some of you a little bit and with me, even FaceTime and so forth. Uh, when she went into the hospital, she went in in a pretty bad shape. Uh, her temperature was down to 94. Her breathing was very shallow, and she was slurring her words, and I knew it was time to go to the hospital. Um, but she recovered. She, she rallied back from that, and your prayers help with that. So she's in this hospital room, and because of COVID, the only people she gets to see are the doctors and the nurses, and they come in just as seldom as they can. Because every time they come in, here goes the PPE. They go in, they get all masked up and all, all that stuff. They visit with her, uh, treat her, whatever they're doing, clean things up, whatever. And then they leave and throw all that PPP away, PPE away. The nurses in particular, and, and everybody's stretched thin in the hospital, and the nurses minimized the amount of time they went in there to the extent that Marianne couldn't get them to come and, and uh, help her when she needed it. The doctors were even worse because they all kept coming in and trying to pronounce a death sentence on her. They all kept coming in and telling her she's going to die. And that's where she had this scripture, and she spoke it to them. I will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. So all of that worked right up until the day she went to heaven, and then a major shift happened. Having done all to stand, she stood, Ephesians 6.13, and she stood against these doctors and what they were proclaiming. She was a witness to them, whether they'll ever admit it or not. And you know, to this day, I still never had a conversation with any of those doctors. Only two of them the day she went in the hospital in the emergency room. For the next 15, 16 days she was in there, not one of them ever spoke to me by phone or any other way. But Mary Ann had an encounter with Jesus, and I can't tell you exactly when. It was probably a day or two before the day she went to heaven. And what I believe, and this is what the Lord has revealed to me, is Matthew 25, 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then I believe he said, again, having done all the stands she stood, and he said, enough is enough. And, you know, and I remember subsequently pastor uh, saying a, a week or two after Marianne went to heaven and several weeks after his dad went to heaven that you know none he didn't think his dad going to heaven was right and of course Marianne wasn't none of us thought that uh, but then he said but when they see Jesus everything changes right once you encounter Jesus I shouldn't say it this way, but all bets are off. <laughs> okay? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. This is what Marianne was 
eligible to confess. 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, first part of verse 8. So the promise that we were standing on, based on the scripture, I will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord, the promise and the scripture did not change. What changed was the expected outcome. And through the change, even along with the change, I guess I should say, the prayers were answered. And I'll prove that even more to you in a minute. The last part of this time, and again, I, I, I have to lay this groundwork, but it's not my main point necessarily, but I think this will bless you. And I think I've mentioned this before, but... Um, the last day, the day Marianne went to heaven, I was able to see her. I was able to go to the hospital room and see her. This was a prearranged appointment where we were going to go in to, and discuss her treatment and so forth. It wasn't because anybody knew it was the last day. Um, and um, so I go in and I get outfitted up in all the PPE. I had three masks on. I had a mask. I had an M95, is it called? I had a shield, I had a bonnet, I had two pair of gloves, I had a gown, I don't know what all else I had. And so I go in the room and there's Marianne and, and things are kind of peaceful. You know, she had struggled a lot with breathing, but there wasn't a struggle going on when I went in there. And um, so I talked with the ladies, the, the nurse practitioner and the other officials that were in there with Marianne there and she was aware I was there. And, um, and this was about 11 o'clock on, a, on a, a Thursday morning on December 10th. And then I told them, I, once we were done, I said, okay, I want to spend some time with Marianne alone. And um, so they left, and I think they were happy to leave. I mean, they had so many other things to do. Uh, and, you know, God bless them. The... Uh, the um, What those nurses especially have to go through, I mean, I only got, saw a small, tiny bit of it. God bless them. They shouldn't have to lose their job now after all the sacrifice they've made. But let me get back to my online here because I don't want to run out of time. <laughs> um, so I told, asked them to leave, and then, and then Marianne and I were just praying. And, you know, she couldn't really say much, but uh, so I did the verbalizing. But we were in agreement in prayer, and we were praying in Jesus' name, and everything's good. And I finally kind of, we reached a, a point where that, that seemed to be all the Holy Spirit was leading us to do. And um, I finally said to her, and I believe this, was, I know this was under an anointing. I didn't know it at the time. I wish I could take credit for this, but uh, it was the Holy Spirit. Uh, I just said as sort of part of that, that time, I said, um, whatever you do, look for Jesus, take him by the hand, and he'll lead you right out of this. I think I mentioned that at, at the uh, funeral. I knew what I was saying but in my mind, I'm believing that she's, that means he can take her by the hand and walk right out of that hospital with her and we'll go home. 
And I also knew that it meant she could go to heaven. He's going to take her by the hand. Well, my first wife, most of you know I had a first wife. Uh, uh, was her, she and I were married 28 years. And um, she also went to heaven. And I was not able to be with her at that point when she moved to heaven. And I always said, I, if anything ever happened to Mary Ann, I want to be with her. So when, after I gave her these instructions and we prayed, everything just seemed at peace. And it's like, I guess it's time to go. They had already told me I couldn't stay long anyway. And I said, I guess it's time to go, but I'm thinking I'll see her again, you know, after this other treatment starts and so forth. And so it was 11 o'clock when, when I got there in the morning, and I think I left right around noon. And um, I got a call. Well, they were going to go in and, and, and change this treatment starting at 1.30. The nurse called me just before and said, we're going to go in and do this now. And, um, and I said, well, if anything happens, I want to be there. And, um, and so at 1.30, she, that's when they went in. She went in and whoever else. Wonderful nurse practitioner, by the way. I, should, if, I wish I could remember her name, but she was wonderful. And um, she, 15 minutes later, she calls me and she says she's gone. And I said, well, I, I wanted to be there. She said, well, you, can't, you won't get here. She's already gone. I was really disappointed about that. And for some time, that really bothered me. That not, It wasn't anybody's fault, okay? But I could have stayed, you know, supposedly. And then the Lord ministered to me some week or two maybe later, maybe even longer. I can't remember. And what he ministered was Matthew 18.20. You you I know you know this. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. What did I tell you? Marianne and I were praying in the name of Jesus. This came to me later, okay? I realized he was there right then. In our midst. So what that meant is when I basically instructed Mary Ann to look for Jesus, she didn't have to look far. He was right there. And, and what I, I believe the Lord has, has uh, reassured me that when she saw him, she took him by the hand and he led her right out. And before I left that room, she was in heaven. It just took her body a while to figure it out. So I was there. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. So now moving forward. And this speaks to the, the other side of faith. So now what happens? Well, so you have... a. You have a home going, and then and she's there with Jesus, and you're here with all of these arrangements that have to be made. Some of you know what I'm talking about, okay? You've got you to gotta notify everybody under the sun and preferably directly, you know, not a, ma a mass email or something like that, so most many of them. Um, you've got to make arrangements with the funeral home. 
You have to go to the funeral home. You've got to decide on ushers and flowers and obituaries and order of service and pastors there helping and, and uh, all of these different arrangements, casket, uh, cemetery, almost none of which I had really prepared for. But John Bailey's, when his wife passed, that was the example to me, and that's why we ended up right next to her in that cemetery. Um, so you're, you're, you're in a, a world. You're just in a, and it's, you're in a daze, in fact, right? And it's kind of like, if anybody here experienced what I'm talking about? You, okay, you, you know, good. Not good, but I, I'm glad that you can relate. Because you're walking along, you're making all these arrangements, and, and you're in this fog, and you know, you just, all you're doing is mechanically putting one foot in front of the other and hoping the other will follow, or otherwise you'll have a face plant right on the floor. Right? That's just how you feel during all this. But you're so busy doing all these arrangements that it's, it's actually good because it occupies your mind where the battle is. So then, so we, we uh, have the visitation, we have the funeral, we have the graveside service, we come to the house and we have a wonderful dinner, <laughs> wonderful food. Thank you all for blessing us all along the way with the food. And those of you who are watching, the, the, it, was just, it was wonderful, it was a blessing, and it was for days afterwards. And uh, it was all a great time. And then... And all the out-of-town people that come in, Marianne's brother and others come in, even though we're in COVID and things are limited. <clears throat> and then they all go home. Right? They all go home. And all of a sudden, you're hit right between the eyes with aloneness and the grief and the confusion I was hit with some, with the mental images of how Marianne appeared in those last few weeks and last days and so forth. And, and I had these mental images in my mind and I, would, I was exhausted. I'd go to bed at night and fall right asleep. But a couple hours later I'd wake up, could not go back to sleep because I'm replaying these images in my mind. And it was torment. I mean, it was the devil literally oppressing me with these images. And, I, and the confusion part, I remember saying, and I said this to Pastor Steele, and God bless us that we have, God has blessed us with a gracious pastor because he, he puts up with a lot. <laughs> but I remember telling him because it, it things were not adding up. Maybe you felt the same way in your experience or in this experience with Marianne. Um, I said, Pastor, either, okay, we know the faith message says that whatsoever you ask, if you, when you believe, you receive, Amen. right? Amen. Well, and, and we have that faith message that's in our spirits, right? Last week, we got it drilled back in again, if it, any of it seeped out. That was great. <clears throat> But for me, when I heard 
that. And when I hear uh, testimonies, I'm wandering, aren't I, Richard? I'm sorry. When I hear testimonies, I'm saying, you know, those all work. Why didn't this work? And I said to pastor, almost word for word, I said, pastor, either I didn't have enough faith, I didn't believe, but we were speaking the word, we were standing on the word, so either I just didn't do well enough with faith, in which case I'm responsible for Marianne not being here, or there's something missing in the faith message. I said, I can't see, or both, I suppose both, but I, I said, that's what I was seeing. That's my confusion. I couldn't reconcile it. But pastor was patient and gracious, <laughs> and um, the, the Holy Spirit began to minister over a, a period of time. Some of it was not that long a period of time, and, and along came a new hope. I, part of it, I'm not sure which came first, but part of it, Billy Burke, anybody of you know who Billy Burke is? Okay, tremendous healing ministry out of Florida. Uh, we've been to a number of his services, and he sent a, a card to me in London, uh, and you know, expressing sympathy and so forth, and then inside, he said, the ultimate healing. Going to heaven is the ultimate healing. And I remember, I said that about my first wife, that with all the, the physical problems she had, when she went to heaven, she's totally healed. Amen. Well, so is Marianne. Amen. And then, and this is the part I want to share with you. Do I have time? Oh, praise God. We got another, it's just, I just got about 7.36. That means I got, what, two more hours, right? Um, let me get the timing down because this is, this is just the Holy Spirit and the way he works. So Marianne goes to heaven on a Thursday. The funeral is the following Tuesday. Fast forward to the following Sunday morning. Okay, So this is like 10 days after Marianne went to heaven. I'm sitting over here in my chair. That's my chair. It's somewhere my name's on it. And uh, you know, we had service. We, you know, the service was going on, and, and we had, I'm sure, a wonderful praise and worship. You know, every, I was kind of mechanical during all this. I, I was exhausted still, uh, having all of these oppression things happening, right? And again, just still putting one foot in front of the other and hoping that they'll both keep working. But I, part of it is I was also under pressure because I knew I had to be an example for, Mary, uh, for London. You know, she needed strength during all of this. So I come to church. I knew we had to come to church, and, and I came here, and, but it was all kind of like I'm still in a fog. Sitting right here, praise and worship, offering, tithes and offerings and so forth, and then pastor uh, begins his message. And I could not remember... I'm not sure I even heard much. I did take notes, but I don't know how much I heard. So I had to look back and see. And his, you know what his message was on? This was December 20th, 2020. What are you hoping for? 
was the title of it. And he started off from Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And he spoke then, and he's just done recently, including last week, talked about how what that, that hope part is the picture that you can hang your faith on. So you've got to have a picture. You've got to have an image of what you're placing your faith on. That's what he talked about. Well, like I said, I don't know if I was listening, but here's what happened. I'm sitting right over here. No, I won't go there because I'll get out of the picture. Um, and all of a sudden, um, you know, there, you know there, there wasn't a clap of thunder. There wasn't, you know, bells and whistles and, and drums beating or anything like that. Just all of a sudden, God drops a picture into my spirit. This was not a mental construct. This was not something that I'm conjuring up in my mind. It just, boom, it just dropped right in. And here's what I saw. I saw, let me back up. You've, you've read books and heard people talk about they were in a car accident and they died and went to heaven. Okay? And they walk around and they experience heaven and then they come back and they tell about it. Or, you know, uh, Jesse Duplantis was kind of translated to heaven and saw some things and came back to talk about it. So in the first case, it, I liken this to, you know, somebody goes to the department store. That's the person who dies and goes to heaven. And they go in the department store and they sample everything and they buy something. And they come out and they talk about it. Jesse Duplantis went in and just shopped but didn't buy anything. All I got to do, which was plenty, was window shop. <laughs> and God allowed me to look through a window right into heaven. There's Mary Ann, and there's Jesus standing right next to her. She's to his left. They're holding hands. And... Now, I'm going to confess to you, I think it's appropriate that this is what happened, but I, I focused more on Marianne than I did Jesus. I mean, I know it was Jesus, I saw him, but his countenance and image is less clear to me than Marianne's was. She's standing there, fully healed, fully restored, radiant, that beautiful smile of hers. She's wearing white, and I, be, I, I want to believe, I think I, I see it as the dress that we were married, she was married in when we were married. And she's standing there next to Jesus, holding his hand. What did I tell Marianne? When you see Jesus, take him by the hand and he'll lead you right out of here. Wish I could take credit for that, but that's just what the Holy Spirit uttered through me. I saw some other things there, some of which I won't, I can't take time to talk about, but so, I will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. What God allowed me to see is Mary Ann more alive than she's ever been. I needed to see that because when I went home and still had some of these images turning over in my mind in the middle of the night, I suddenly had an alternative image that I could replace them with. God knew I think Mary Ann arranged this, and she knew 
I needed to see her this way, the way she is now. Hallelujah. She lives. She didn't die. And you know, and so does that sound to you like one of the mighty works of God? So Mary, if Marianne arranged that, I'm the one telling you this, but this is really Marianne declaring the works of the Lord through me. If you take it and you share it with somebody else, she'll be declaring it through you too. The scripture will be fulfilled. One other thing that I saw, one of the other things that I saw was... Um, you know, in the movies, they, they always depict somebody and they go to heaven and, and you can see them, but everything is all whited out. It's all brilliant white behind them, right? Well, you know, as limited as the movie people are, that's pretty accurate because that's exactly what I saw. All that white bl brilliance behind. I could see Jesus and Mary Ann pretty clearly, but all that brilliance behind. And I, so, and meditating on this afterwards, because none, none of this realization of this came to me while I was sitting here. <clears throat> you know, and, and you know, I, I didn't, when this happened, I didn't jump up out of the chair, run the pews, hoop and holler, uh, cry or laugh. Okay? I, I'm just receiving it. And then I meditated on it, and I realized, what is all of that brilliance behind him? And that's the glory of God. More specifically, this is from the Lord, that's the glory of God being reflected off the faces of all of his saints. I'm allowed to see Marianne and Jesus because I needed to see them. If there's someone else I needed to see, maybe my first wife, okay, maybe your loved one that was there. I saw your loved one. I just, there was too brilliant to make them out. But I'm, I want to reassure you that they're there. They are there, and I saw them. So I'm in this service, and, um, and I'm taking this in, and, I, and I'm receiving this, and it was like it was just etched into my spirit. And I can still see that right now. I can still see that. And that actually, by the way, that wasn't a picture. That was a video. There was motion. <laughs> In that, um, so I took that in and, and I'm blessed by it, and and I'm over here, you know, trying to listen to Pastor, and so Pastor comes to the end of the, his message, and I can't recall that day he ministered to some people, and I don't remember if he if he did a hands-on ministry to four or five people, or if he was if he just spoke a word over them out in the in the audience. I can't remember that part. But after he, so he was doing that under the anointing. And after he did that, uh, he closed out the service. And then he came over to me. And he put his hands on my shoulders. Still under that, that uh, anointing. And he said, he said four things. He said, <laughs> this is amazing. Mary Ann is holding Jesus' hand. He lifted her out. She made sure London and I would be okay. And the devil is going to pay for this. He didn't know 
what I had seen, and he came over and confirmed it. That's one of the greatest moves of God I've ever had in my life. I mean, salvation, okay. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, great. But this, is, this kind of is on a par with that. Hallelujah. I needed that, and you needed to hear that, and this is the first time I've had a chance to say it without losing my composure, I think. So this is the other side of faith. When my first wife died, our pastor down in Mississippi made a comment in the uh, uh, funeral service. And you may have heard this. What he said as he was talking about this, all this that went on with my first wife, he said, God answers every prayer. It's just that sometimes the answer is no. I don't think I can agree with that. I don't think that's scriptural. God honors every scripturally based prayer. Every, every scripturally based prayer. Now, you know, I could say, well, you know, I'd, I'd kind of like to get married and, and I want to marry Anna Clemens. Okay, and so I, I could start praying that. Well, that's not going to be honored because she's already married, right? Okay, not going to happen. It's not scriptural. But if you're praying a scripturally based prayer as Marianne and I were, and you all were, God honors it. Sometimes the outcome is different than what we expected, and always that unexpected outcome is better than the one we expected. This is the rest of the faith message. This is the part that I told pastor that something's missing. When what you're asking for doesn't happen, well, the fact is it did happen. It just happened in a different way. And Marianne lives, and she didn't die. And the works of the Lord, she is proclaiming them. She's just using me and hopefully you as a mouthpiece to proclaim them. Will you permit me a little bit more? So I've gone through this twice now. It's not fun. Um, and as those of you who have experienced this, and if you haven't, I'm warning you, there is a process that one goes through as you experience a loss. And notice I said a loss, not that someone is lost. Okay, if they're lost, they didn't go to the right place. They're not lost if they are a believer. We know exactly where they are. And I've got even greater proof of where Marianne is. Okay, so they're not lost. But I suffered, I experienced a loss. A great big hole in my heart. You know what I mean. So you go through a process of dealing with that. Some call that process the stages of grief. That's kind of antiseptic and clinical. I call it a letting go process. And it happens at different levels. I, I, this part was revealed to me after my first wife passed away. Uh, so you go through different levels or steps, if you will, along this letting go process. 
One of the primary areas of letting go, it's not the only one, but along the way, somewhere you have to let go of your marriage. The fact of the matter is, I am not married to Marianne anymore. Now, I'm not saying our marriage covenant is over. I'm just saying it has been fulfilled. Every vow that we repeated when we got married is fulfilled, including the one that says, till death do us part. So I've shared my life with two wives, Marianne and before that, Pat. Uh, both the loves of my life, Pat was the wife of my youth. I often called Pat my, the flower in my desert, <laughs> and Marianne was my oasis. 80% of my entire life is taken up with either dating or being married to those two women. And a third woman in my life, my mother, makes up most of the rest of the time. But the fact remains with these two women, I'm not married to either one of them anymore, and I never will be. Matthew 22:30 says, this is Jesus saying this, in the resurrection they will neither marry nor are given in married, marriage but are like the angels of God in heaven. In other words, they're in heaven like the angels are. We're not like the angels because we're higher than the angels. Neither married nor given in marriage. So our marriage, marriage is an institution that God ordained for man on earth. Right? Back there in Genesis, what did, what did God say? Looking at Adam and it says it's not good for a man to be alone. I'll say that's true. I can testify to that twice over. And then, and that was Genesis 2.18 and 2.20. He says, you hear uh, in between Adam names all the animals, goes through the whole list and names them all. <clears throat> and it says, after all of that, no suitable help meet was found for Adam. So God institutes marriage for man on the earth. Amen. There's no need for marriage in heaven. Says not good to, for man to be alone. We're not going to be alone up there. Okay? You don't, we don't need help meets up there. <laughs> okay? That's all for this life. Thank God for it. And what a wonderful life it is that we have this institution that God has ordained between a man and a woman, by the way. But it means that I'm not married, and when I get to heaven, I'm not going to resume my marriage. I can't stand here and tell you that I'm looking forward to going to heaven so I can be with Mary Ann married again. Now, I'll be with her, and I'll be with Pat, my first wife, and I'll be with my mom and dad and everybody else that's gone before. And, but our relationships aren't necessarily going to be sort of horizontal. They're going to be, we're all going to be praising the Lord. We're going to be worshiping God. And what we experienced, what I saw in that revelation, I'll call it, not a vision, a revelation that God gave me, what I saw is that heaven is glorious. I mean, I, I could see the glory all over Marianne. I could see the joy that she was experiencing, the total healing and wholeness that she had about her. I could see that. That's what we will experience. And what we experience in heaven, there won't be need for marriage because what we're experiencing is going to be way better than marriage, as good as that is.
the problem is this wasn't easy for me to accept, especially, well, either time. But I know some of you can relate to exactly what I'm saying. In my case, being a husband is, I've always felt, felt the first time and I felt with Marianne, being a husband is one of the, is the best thing that I do. Or I wasn't real necessarily perfect at it, so I'll, instead of best, I'll just say it was the least poor thing that I did. I think I was a pretty good husband, and, that, and there's nothing else I did better. So it takes time for this to sink in. It wasn't easy to accept it. And that time varies for different individuals. There's no formula here. Uh, for some, it takes a long time. After my first wife died, you realize it's now been 11 months since Marianne went to heaven. And I just use the word died. My first wife did not die. <laughs> she lives in heaven, just like Marianne does. Um, but after my first wife went to heaven, 11 months later, 11 months later, Marianne and I were married. That quick. So the letting go process that I'm talking about, particularly with respect to marriage and so forth, for me went very quickly. It ha I, I since realized it had to go quickly. God had a plan for Marianne and me, and it couldn't wait. And it probably wouldn't have happened had we not moved ahead as quickly as we did. So that was a matter of a few months. This time, for me, it's taken longer. I, I think I've reconciled all of that. Uh, for others, it takes years. Some people never let go. The, the, the word I have for anybody, you can pass this along, if you've not let go of your marriage to your spouse or, or a relationship to a loved one, if you haven't let go of a marriage to your spouse, I just want you to know it's okay. It's not the difference between heaven and hell, certainly. <laughs> it's okay. Um, you have to let the Holy Spirit minister to you, and the Holy Spirit's not going to force anything or shoehorn anything on you. He's just going to help you along the way. So take all the time you need. But once settled, I'm, I can guarantee you there is a peace that sets in and a freedom for the future. Let me speak to the future just briefly. Because, uh, the, and I've titled this, the subtitle is A New Future. This too is another, is a part of the other side of faith. The ultimate future is that you and I will experience what Marianne is experiencing. I mean, that's, that is our goal. It's just that we have this temporal period here between here and there that we're still on the earth. And the loved ones that have gone before us, and, and as most of you realize, that number grows over the years. There's more and more of them that go before us. <laughs> and, um, you know, we miss them. There's nothing wrong with missing them. Um, but what I, ha what I can tell you, just reflect back, let's just say, on the last 25 years. 25 years ago, Bill Clinton was reelected and was serving the first of his two terms, second, the first year of his second term. So, you know, rewind back to there. And now fast forward and look at how quickly time has passed since then. There's no reason to believe time won't pass just as quickly in the next 25 years or however long each of us has before it's our turn to go. 
it'll be like a puff of wind. In no time, it'll be our turn. You'll see your loved ones there. You will fellowship with them and rejoice with them. But in the meantime, we have two jobs. Job number one, got to make sure we get there. So if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, accept him tonight so you have an assurance that you'll get there. And then secondly, fight the fight, run your race, and redeem the time that you have. One part of my book, I mentioned that Marianne and I were married 11 months after my first wife went to heaven. And I will, I will talk about future companionship in my book because it's a unique experience and I think I have a perspective. Um, for someone whose spouse has gone to heaven, there, there will be this question of what do I do about companionship in the future? You know, in my case, I think I'm gifted to be a husband and I'm not married. <laughs> and so I, feel, I felt like some of my purpose is not being fulfilled. But for someone like that, whose spouse has already gone to heaven, the important thing is to do nothing without the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> you can really get in a mess. When you're ready and you've got the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's okay. It's okay to seek new companionship. It's not dishonoring your previous spouse. In fact, it honors them in a sense because it means that you had a wonderful experience before. So it's okay when you are ready and as the Holy Spirit leads. It's not okay if you have not let go of your spouse. And, and that letting go process happens in steps, sort of sub-steps within it, of letting go of your spouse. I remember with my first wife, you, let, you have to let go at the time of the funeral. I mean, you're letting go of the body, okay? But letting go of the marriage is harder. And, and, and so I went through a period of a couple of months there, and uh, the Lord began to dealt with me about my purpose. even had a conversation with my mother the night of my first wife's funeral about purpose. And um, so you get to a second stage in that process where you, you let go and you, you're handling it pretty well. And I had people complimenting me on how well I was handling it. Well, I had an old, my older daughter was 17 at the time her mother died. And I had to handle it well for her as well, and as well as for myself. So, uh, so I, I, I let go. And I thought I did a pretty good job. And all of a sudden, that, and so she, passed, she went to heaven on September 7th, 1995. And um, in mid-December, God tells me, this is one of the clearest times he's ever spoken to me, you got to let go. I thought I did let go. <laughs> I'm being complimented on how well I let go. <laughs> no, you got to let go. And I didn't know what that meant, but I realized... After a while, I'm looking around. Here's a ring on my finger still. I mean, I didn't really think that much about it, but I hadn't taken that ring off yet. 
So I had, to, I had to do that, and I did that at the end of that year. The very night Mary Ann was being prayed for, for her husband, and being told prophetically that he was in the same room where we were. She didn't know me from, well, she knew me from Eve, but not from Adam. So that's how God works. And there's more to that story. I think I've told some of that before. But the point is, you, there's, a, there's a further letting go beyond the first few stages of it in order for you to be prepared. And I had to be prepared quickly. So it's okay to consider companionship if the Holy Spirit's leading it and if you have gone through that letting go process. If you haven't or if he doesn't, it can cause real hurt. It can cause real damage to you, to the other person you're considering, uh, and so forth. So in conclusion, there is another side of faith I've come to realize. Um, We should always pray exactly what we want from the Lord. And like Jim and Carrie Molson, he'll grant that a lot. But sometimes when it looks like it didn't work, the fact is, There's something else going on where your faith actually worked. It just didn't work in the way you thought it was going to be. And if you're patient with the Lord and seek him, he'll show you the rest of that story. That's the rest of the faith message. The bottom line, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Did you get anything out of this? Thank you for being here and letting me uh, speak this out and publish and declare the works of the Lord.